Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Curious Conversations with Tully and Sarah. We sit down and chat with business owners, entrepreneurs, and some of the best conversation starters. This is a podcast about real life lessons and people doing cool shit. Yo, what's up, Sarah? Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. (laughs) As you can tell, I'm super excited because it's our second episode for 2021 and I'm really enjoying recording this year. I know, it's been fun. And this week's guest is one of our dear friends. I think we say that every week. I know, far out. It should just be Sarah and Tully with their friends. I know, but we do have some really creative friends and talented friends. So this week we had the beautiful Rochelle Gregory. From the brand Rocky Raffaella. Yes. So Rochelle's story um, is pretty freaking amazing. And we sat down and spoke to her about her journey so far through mental health, um, starting a business, how she uses, you know, designing and stuff as her creative outlet for happiness and passion, really. Yeah. She covers basically everything that has happened in her life yeah Yeah. and it's an amazing story and I'm so proud of where she is now from everything she's gone through and I've learned a lot her brand's bloody cool yeah it's amazing it's been on the likes of like Ruby Rose Muhammad um Hadid who is Gigi Hadid and Bella Hadid's dad which is pretty fucking amazing Fred Siegel and she tells us a little bit about um how she got into Fred Siegel and she is amazing. Also, just quick little warning, there is a lot of talk here about eating disorders, mental health and stuff like that. So sexual abuse. Sexual abuse. If it is sensitive, we'll put in the notes below for um, Beyond Blue and the Butterfly Foundation. Yes. Cool. All right. Well, happy Wednesday, guys, and I hope you have an amazing week. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with all your friends. (laughs) Ciao. Bye. Hey girls, what's up? Hi, Tal. <laughs> so everyone goes silent. What is up? Happy Wednesday. So today, Saturday. Oh no, no. For sure, the episode will come out on Wednesday, though. I don't know whether to press stop record, but we're just going to flow. So it is Wednesday, but yes, Rochelle, it is Saturday. We are recording on a Saturday. But today, I'm so excited. We have Rochelle and Sarah and myself, Tally. How are you, ladies? I'm really good and I'm really excited about this episode. I've wanted to sit down with you and I know Tal has. You're one of our best friends and you have an amazing story. You have an amazing Amazing. brand. 100%. Woo. So So, welcome. Thank you. Hey, guys. How are you? I'm fabulous. Good. Ready to go. We love that. So we're currently sitting in your shop. Uh, You've got an upstairs area and we're sitting in your shop recording. What do you do? Um, I have a fashion brand and... What is it? <laughs> um, Rocky Raffaello, have you heard of it? I don't know. <laughs> kind of rep it sometimes. But, um, so you have a brand, Rocky Raffaello. Tell us, so it's a female brand, obviously. Yeah. Okay. And what do you, is it leather or what is it? Um, so it's pretty much everything. I started off with leather uh-huh. 
And I've expanded to silks and now I kind of across everything. Yeah. Apart from like I'm not fast fashion. I don't use cheap materials. I'm all about high quality. Love that. And where do you manufacture? In Indonesia. Amazing. I love Indo. That's where I started. So when are we going to be able to come to the shop front and shop? I keep saying four weeks. I don't know why. They've just done the floors, which is exciting. And now we're like, because I'm redoing the whole thing. It's I'm not doing anything half-assed. Yeah, love that. And that's a good thing about you. You do everything at 100%. So we're currently in Albert Park in Melbourne. So if you guys are around, definitely pop down in four weeks' time. I do have a Maybe question. Maybe three weeks. Maybe three, three weeks. <laughs> Watch this space. Yeah. <laughs> why did you start with leather? It's like during uni, I've always been drawn to high quality leathers. It just comes naturally in me. So mm-hmm. at uni, I use a lot of leather, a lot of silk. Um, I just loved like the way leather would mold and its strength and how, like I just worked really well with it. I loved the elegance mm-hmm. towards it. I loved the longevity. I love making garments that would last a lifetime. And yeah, I suppose yeah, that's what I love about it. I love that. That's I have to say you've got this leather dress at the moment that just came out in your last collection. Yes. And it's one of my favourites. It's called Rocky. the first date dress. You'll probably get a second date. And yes, I love that. <laughs> okay, I need to buy that shit. Tits um, out for the boys. Yeah, tits out for the boys. So I, like, obviously we know your brand and your leather is amazing, but I know there's, like, a part of the leather that's a little bit different to other leather jackets and stuff like that. What is that? So it's hide. So... It's all hand carved. Which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So basically there's all this fad. Is that the right word? Yeah. Yeah. Fad, yeah. fad shit. Fast fashion. Yeah. About how bad leather is. But it's like vegan leather mm-hmm. is, okay, yes. No. Vegan leather is so bad for the, what's this? Environment. <laughs> what are we living in? The environment. The world. The world. It's why? so bad because it's. It's all like fake material. It's oils and plastic. It's it's PU. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Get it. I get, get it. it. I get that. So in a sense, so you're you're less, saying it's less sustainable than actual using leather. Yeah, it does more damage to the universe. That's fair. Yeah. Okay, so how old is the brand? Five years. Five years. And I think. I think I, I know I always forget how old our brand is as well but so tell us why did you start Rocky like what drove you did you see a niche in the market like what? um I think okay so back to um I started it probably um I didn't know what I wanted to do yeah. I was struggling with mental health mm-hmm. I was really really can you swear yeah, of course. I was really fucked up. Yeah. So, like, I had everything under the sun and I I wanted to be better. Yeah. And, you know, through getting help, I realised that I had a natural thing for fashion. Like, yeah. Yeah, just growing up, my mum was a buyer, so I'd um, travel with her to France and do buying Where trips. Where was your mum a buyer for? I didn't know Balloon that. for Kids in High Street, Armadale. Really? Yeah. Die. That's I did cool. not know that. And then, so obviously fashion ran in your family. I know you said that your grandpa was also a tailor, so you obviously grew up very young watching him and stuff like that. I just want to go back to the mental health thing. That's a massive topic that we love to talk about here, and I know it's part of your story. Can we cover that later? Yeah, but I just want to see what were you – yeah, we will, but I just want to know, like, you say everything under the sun. Can you just dot point what they were so we can kind of get a gist of 
your brain and what you've kind of been through? Yeah, for sure. Um, so basically from an early teen, I was suffering with an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, I was suffering from anxiety, depression, um, addiction issues, my sexuality, mm-hmm. finding who I was, um, you know, I was self-harming mm-hmm. to cope with the pain I was going through. I was, yeah. In an unhappy place. Yeah, I yeah. was just so destructive because mm-hmm. I was so unhappy. Yeah. Okay. Can I, what age did that start? Like 15, 14. Wow, so you're pretty young. So tell us, did you go to school? Did you go to uni? How did you, yeah, like how was your younger years no. education-wise? Um, I just started from kinder. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I went to school and then I went, I went to uni and, um, yeah, I did both those things. <laughs> you started fashion, right? Yeah, I studied fashion. I went to White House University of Design. And then you got chosen for what fashion uh, Oh, okay, so... I got chosen for emerging fashion designer for Melbourne Spring Fashion Week, mm-hmm. which was really like that was when I was like because I I had learning issues my mm-hmm. whole life, so I was like when it got to that, I was like okay maybe I do have a talent. Like yeah. they made they because there were scouts that watched the show and they pulled out a couple of people, and that just gave me confidence. And then when I saw my start, my energy and my hard work down the runway. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, like this is what I'm made to do. Like nothing felt that good naturally, like, yeah, yeah, apart from, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Were you working with leathers then? Yeah, 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 always. Always I was drawn to like leather and silk. That's how, that's probably why they're the main, the dominant material in my range. Okay. So you did that and then you've obviously started uh, your brand, Rocky. So Mm. when you started, a lot of people ask this this ask us this question, how much did you start with? Like how did you act? Did you have a business plan? Oh, Where did I, you start off? Like, No, so um, basically I – so what happened was I, it was actually an interesting story and I got chosen. So I applied for Alexander Wang New oh, wow. York internship, which was my favourite designer back then, one of. Yeah. And – you know, out of thousands of applicants, it was out of me and one girl. No way. That yeah. just shows how bloody talented this girl is. Well, yeah, it was like, and and instead of crushing me, like this other girl got it and I kind of walked away with my go-getter personality and I was like, fuck that, like I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Like if I if that happened and this happened, like I, I just believed in myself and my talent. Yeah. Apart from everything else, all the struggles, that's what kept me going, my mm-hmm. belief and just that go-getter personality. Yeah. Okay. And so that happened and then I started the brand straight after. Did you? Straight after. So yeah. were you currently in Australia then? Yeah. Okay. And when you started, like I know a lot of your stuff is, like we've just spoken about leather and stuff, was it like made for order? Did you create a range? Like how did you start? No, I just designed stuff because I had no – I didn't have any business um, experience. So mm-hmm. I literally would just make stuff just whenever I felt like it. And then I started wearing it out and people would come up to me and be like, where's that from? Because people had never seen stuff like it. Yeah. It's quite, quite unique. And it just became that point of difference. And then it just, I never really did ranges till recently. Yeah. Okay. That's crazy. Oh, I started with four grand and made the ugliest skirt. Really? <laughs> Do you still have it? Four grand? Really? Yeah, I started with four grand. Do you still have that ugly skirt? 
God, no. I think I gave it to someone. <laughs> I think it's I... gone to the op shop. <laughs> yeah. You should have kept it. It's no, like... Bob down the road. Yeah, Bob down the road. <laughs> did, um, how did you find your factory? Like that's one of the hardest things and that's why when people ask me now, it's like, bitch, are you serious? Yeah, I get asked all the time as well. So how did you – were you making them – because I know you're a really amazing sewer. Were you making the jackets yourself or did you go straight to a factory? Uh, no, I made everything first like you're at right. home, yeah. yeah, and I made the patterns like from uni. Mm-hmm. I knew exactly what to do and I went over there and then you just found the right people. Over but there. Sorry, Indonesia, Bali, <laughs> Bali. So it took me, like, I'm so happy now. Yeah. And it, But it took me years and years. And now I'm, like, family with my factory. You know how close I work with them. Mm, when yeah. I'm there, um, it's, you know, peer-to-peer. Um, I even have my own sewing machine in the factory in Indonesia. So, yeah, it's just, you just trial and error. Like, everything, like, no matter what happens, I will always say that failures have been my biggest success. Yeah, agree with that. And I feel like if you're not failing, then you're not trying hard enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And this is a question for both of you because it's something that I think will stay for you with you guys forever. What's the one significant moment where you're like, I've made it? What like seeing someone in your brand that just takes your brand exposure to the next level. Yeah. What would you say? Um, I would say Ruby Rose because of how she ins- by me yeah um and then seeing someone like I feel like I manifested that and then when she would wear it on the Maybelline ad and stuff like that it was like fuck yeah how did she get that jacket um so I rocked up to an event she was she so she was like my biggest inspiration she kind of inspired me because I could relate to her through her mental health issues and I was like if she can do it I can love that yeah and so um she really kind of you know made me found my passion and my purpose and my sister-in-law actually rang me one day and she's like Ruby's playing DJing here like blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. rocked up with a jacket and I just I couldn't meet her but I got introduced to a girlfriend and Bob and manager and I just was like here Here's a jacket. If she loves it, great. Two months went by and she was like papped everywhere in LAX. And then she actually became like the face of it. Like she just wore it everywhere in Maybelline ads and it was just like. Wow. Yeah, it was like that was the moment I was like, is this real? Yeah, I've made it. So just going back, like you said that Ruby Rose was a massive inspiration to you. Can you dive a little bit deeper into that? Like when did you realise that you know, you saw her and was like, whoa, she's my inspo. I want to be like, tell us a little bit more yeah. about Yeah. Um, so like I said, I was struggling. I think um, I was, I remember so vividly I was sitting like crooked off a chair. Mm-hmm. I had five hours of therapy a day because I was so fucked up. Like I was in and out of hospital for suicide attempts. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was serious. And my, uh, she she doesn't like to be called psychologist. She's like a life coach, Wendy mm-hmm. Jacobs. Shout yeah. And she was like, um, she looked at me, she's like, what do you want to do with your life? And I looked at her and she's like, the first time I sat up and looked at her in the eye and I was like, I want to be something other than this. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to change. I wanted to be different. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know how. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then so Ruby Rose comes into that. <laughs> <laughs> How? So obviously, like that was your. It was actually point. Ruby Rose. <laughs> yeah. So that was like your lowest point 
that you had and you've got help and stuff like that. So I know when I saw a psychologist, there was like an inspo, a muse that I had. I used to call her Barbara. She was like completely like made up. Was that kind of like your muse in a way to get better? Like explain more how she inspired you. Who, Barbara? No, that was my (laughs) muse. No, Ruby Rose. Like obviously she drove you, but like how did you use her? Like your career. Okay. Yeah. So like how did she – how did that happen? Like, okay, so um, I think because, like I said, I could just relate to her, and okay. I she, the way she inspired me—that's what I want to do to others. Like, she gave me hope. So, did she suffer from mental? Oh, have I left that out? Yes. <laughs> yeah, hectic, bro. Yeah, like she was, she was dealing with like her sexual ex. Sexuality. <laughs> Can't even fucking say it. <laughs> Sexuality, she was um depressed. She yeah. was I don't want to say too much because I'm what Yeah, of course. But yeah, she was struggling with serious mental health issues that I knew about yeah. and yeah. So okay. I was just gonna say, should we just dive straight into the mental health? I think so, because I think it's a massive part of who you are and why you started. And Correct. I think you have you have an amazing story, and I think anyone that listens to this who is struggling, it kind of gives people hope, you know. So I think so. You go, Seth. Yep. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is. I want you to have the platform and just share your story. Um. Okay. So well, where do you want to start from? Um. Okay. I could probably start from. So. As a kid, like this is the thing we are programmed with beliefs. Mm-hmm. Someone says something to us when we're X age and it stays with us. And for me, it just happened to happen a lot, whether my genetics were just sensitive or I was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. So stuff happened when I was a child, like, you know, I suffer from PTSD, so um, some sexual abuse there. And then kind of having that growing up and I was a bit chubbier because my great grandma would bring... (laughs) (laughs) like all this food to school so this girl once said to me and this is one of this is how one of my beliefs started she said to me you have more roles than a bakery yeah wow how old were you like grade five okay and that's just so it's it's gone from sexual abuse then that flowed into an eating disorder yep and then yep and then so what happened next, Rochelle? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then obviously, like, I how did that affect your school life? Oh, well, the thing. Okay, this is what happened. So I went to school, and I had learning disabilities. Yeah. Like, I couldn't learn. I couldn't understand. I didn't know that. Just back then, I was just really creative and visual, but. I was disruptive and I felt really dumb. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so going through all this stuff and feeling really dumb at school, I was popular and the life of the party. So that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. So that's how I that's how I got my needs met through partying. So, mm-hmm. you know, I got into partying, drinking, drugs and stuff like that. Um, you know, I started realising that I was attracted to girls at that time as well as boys and it was all a lot. And then I had people telling me, tell me that my sexuality was disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I think the first time I actually hurt myself, I remember this so vividly, I was in marine biology. Like, Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think grade 10 or something. 
and a boy called me dumb. Uh, and I just remember taking scissors to the bathroom and cutting myself. So wow. Yeah. So obviously that's the first time it started. And then obviously like it was a, you know, I was, I, no, that's not a normal reaction clearly. Yeah. So there was a lot going on inside and that just became a coping mechanism because it felt good. Okay. In what sense does it feel good? I think because there's so much pain going on inside that it feels good because it's nothing compared to what you feel inside. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I don't know, a lot of people that do can't kind of agree. There's there's so many elements to it, yeah. like the feeling also like it made people care more and I just wanted love and care. But yeah. yeah. Um, but the, the, for me, like it was the feeling it gave me, which yeah. became another addiction. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. That's really wild. So you started cutting then and then obviously you felt like it was a nice feeling or whatever. And then tell us a little bit more about, did you, so you finished school? Yeah, I finished school. Okay. And then after that, were you still, you were still obviously partying, doing drugs. And then when does your eating disorder roll into it? Cause I know that's part um, of like what you had as well. Um, I think so that, that was in the mix as well with everything. Okay. So it was pretty much anything that was like destructive. I was just addicted to it. Um, maybe it stemmed from not wanting to be who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, then I started when I was really bad. I started going into like eating disorder units mm-hmm. and um, mental health clinics and stuff like that. But I never. This was all during fashion school, mm-hmm. university. But I never stopped. Like I, there was something like regard to like no not regards regardless regardless yeah. of all this shit going on yeah like creating and designing beat anything so it was like your outlet oh right? my god it was it was just like this energy that like flowed through me that was just wow the best feeling so i've just got a question so obviously like creating and being a designer that's like your passion and your happiness so i just want to know why and i know it's a mental illness but you knew that was your happiness and what made you happy why did you keep destruct like being stuck in self-sabotaging um I mean it was an element to feeling good but it wasn't everything okay so and these behaviors are so embedded into Mm -hmm. my skin that they became natural even now Mm -hmm. even now it's like something bad happens it's like drink this but now I have the tools to be able to stop it and I've rewired my brain yeah and the eating disorder doesn't go because in my head, my belief is from what that girl told me and other things, I am fat. So no matter how skinny I got, no matter what I did, mm-hmm. that core belief would never go unless yeah. I did some serious work. Okay. Were all these behaviours, your drugs, your self-harm, suicide attempts, all that, were they hidden or did your friends and family know? Oh, everybody knew. Okay. And how, like, and you obviously did people come and try and help you? I know sometimes when you've got an illness, someone tries to help you, you completely backstep and it makes you worse. How did you react when people tried to help? Um, I wanted help. Like, I definitely did. Like, the thing with me is my, my parents play a huge role in the, this. Like, mm-hmm. I love them so much but they just didn't know how to handle me. Mm-hmm. So um, they would get angry at me in those situations, which is not the way to go yeah. because 
I'm already so burning. Mm-hmm. And when you add negative energy on that, it's just like, see you later, you know? Yeah. And when you, yeah, like I remember one time that was really, really bad and they were angry at me. And also their reaction wasn't that, like they didn't know what to do, so they'd sweep it under the rug. So the mm-hmm. next night, I would have been in hospital. The next night, I'm out partying, and the life of the party. Mm. And everyone's like, "Weren't you just in hospital?" Like I didn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. How close did you ever get to dying? Um. So, I, the time that I was just talking about when mm-hmm. I went out the next mm-hmm. night, um, I overdosed with um a lot of meds, mm-hmm. like a lot, a lot, a lot. And I woke up with wires all around me. So they, the doctor, the knock doctors were like, you're very lucky to be alive. Wow. And I honestly, like when I got home, forgot about it. And then the next night I was out partying. Like, oh, my no God. Shit. So yeah. it didn't even like stop you to nah, you. Nothing. So that's how powerful the brain is. It's just like, yeah. wow, that's crazy. Didn't care. Like a lot of, I'm, I'm very misunderstood. Like a lot of people I know would you know, think I was crazy or wild back then. Mm. But it was I was just a very sad Sick. little girl. Yeah. Yeah. And mental illness, it's serious. It's not like a thing that it's like cool. It's actually like a mental illness. Oh, like it's a disease. It's overpowering. Yeah. How do you handle your mental illness now? Um oh it's it's hard work. Like it's taken me it's not easy. Nothing's mm. easy. It's mm. taken me a lot of hard work. And I think last year was the best year I had. Um, I had a lot of help and for the first time something clicked. I think it was all the work I did and I started crying of happiness. And I was like, why? I was like, why am I crying? And I was like, I'm so comfortable. To, comfortable. I'm so comfortable to be in my own skin. Uh-huh. And since then I've just like, I've just rewired my brain. I know how to use it. I'm very switched on. I've had that much therapy yeah. in every way possible that, um, yeah, I just I just know how to live a happy life that's, now. That's crazy because obviously last year was a very fucking hard year for a lot of people. 2020, like we hate talking about it, but we kind of love it as well. Obviously COVID, lockdown and stuff. Did that affect you? Obviously said it was like your best year, but how do you think, did that play a role in like your recovery at all? Because we all had to sit with a lot of shit. Um, yes and no. Like I was in, I was in clinics and mental health places last year. Okay. Yep. Um, for a lot of it, and you know, like that's I, when I came out. We were in lockdown still. Yeah. We. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. And it kind of forced me to do things I'd never do. Like mm-hmm. that's when I started creating dresses that I didn't think I could make Mm -hmm. because, you know, I was there, I was working with um, Tashi Brands, like Mm -hmm. Harrison, who helps me, and he was like, you're going to do this. And I was Mm -hmm. like, three days later, I had nothing else to do, came up with this like crazy dress. That's crazy. So, yeah, it was really positive for me and I hate saying that because a lot of people, you know, suffered and were quite, Mm -hmm. you know, affected by it, but that wasn't my story. Mm. I think it helped you definitely. Like watching you last year having to – um, yeah, not being able to go out, not being tempted. No, it's true. Yeah. Like there's a lot of temptations in Melbourne and yeah. especially for you because you are friends with a lot of people, you know a lot of people, a lot of our friends or your friends like to drink and do whatever. But I think for you it was – I think it was actually – it was amazing to watch. Yeah. You did have a positive 
yeah, me experience. on the other hand, maybe not, but <laughs> you did. You definitely did. And I loved watching that. It was cool. I, this is just from my own curiosity. What's it like being in a clinic? What's the structure like? Is it just like psychology eight hours a day? Because we know Rochelle loves a clinic. Oh. She loves groups and she loves structure. <laughs> Shout, out I could live. <laughs> Shout out Lindy. Shout out Lindy. I wish I wish I could live in one. No, no, I don't. Do you know why I like them? Because I'm the best version of myself. So you can go to rehab, you can go to a mental health clinic and it is all on you. Yeah. Like why I got so good last year was because I put in the work. Like mm-hmm. I got up, I did my gratitude every morning. I read this help. This is at the book. clinic. At the clinic, yeah. yeah. Um, I could eat well there because mm-hmm. um, there were nurses there. You know, I was mixing with, I don't know, it just like, it just took me away from all the bullshit and it was like, mm. What like pause life? Mm. It was like, what what do you want to do? Like, wake up. You're not happy. Like, yeah. figure it out. Because I know it's only a year ago, and I have been a lot happier. But I'm I prior to that, I was always up and down. Mm-hmm. So you never knew what you were gonna get. But yeah, these these clinics they help you, and the people are there for you. But you have to want help. Otherwise, yeah. there's yeah. no waste of money. You know. Yeah. So if anyone is listening and they might know someone is suffering from a mental illness or they might be suffering, you would 100% recommend them to go to a clinic? Definitely. Okay. And one that like it's hard for me to go to clinics in terms of I have so many different um, problems in terms of eating, drugs, alcohol, like Mm -hmm. all that stuff. So it's hard to know where to go but I I would say that, you know, the most problem you're struggling with, yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? Do, do you, what, what is your mental illness? Oh. <laughs> um, I don't really al- align with it now because I'm really good, but when I was my worst, I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. What's that? So it is, it's basically like you feel emotions a lot heavily than the average person. Mm-hmm. So they used to explain it to me as, you know, when like you touch a burn victim's skin, mm-hmm. like how sensitive that is. And so, that's what you are. Yeah. Um, it's, a mo- it's a mood. It's, I hate the name because it's like you think yeah. you've got a problem with your personality. But basically it's just, um, it's a mood disorder that, you know, it's usually it's usually stemmed from things in your early childhood mm-hmm. of not abandonment, not feeling loved, all these things. And, yeah, I don't know how to explain. It's like so there's bipolar, mm-hmm. which is, you know, you're up and down for mm-hmm. like time, longer, periods. longer periods and then borderline's kind of like, you, you know, up and down in shorter periods. So but, like you could kind of snap and like not snap um, but one day you can be happy, two hours later you can be sad. Kind of yeah, it's normal yeah. life. Yeah, it, like it's, literally, yeah, it's, yeah. it's such a like stupid. Yeah, it's yeah. such a stupid diagnosis. But that's why I don't really relate to it. But um, I, yeah, I definitely um could relate a lot more to it when I was when they explained it to you. Yeah, oh, and yeah. when I was more in you know the dark place. When when did they when did they diagnose you with that? Because I know sometimes it can be. When you don't know what you've got, it's confusing. It's like, so when they diagnosed you with that, when was that? And did that help you kind of in that last year that you had last year? Because you knew what it was? 
uh, well, they diagnosed me when I was 18. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah. So okay. I've grown up thinking like, you know, that I. You knew what it was. Yeah. Okay. I have a quick. Have you, back then since you were 18, were you medicated? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But the thing was, um, I would I was never taking it properly. Okay, okay. were you still drinking and doing still like, drinking? Yeah. Like there's so much to it that was just like no, Rochelle. You yeah. weren't consistent with wanting to look after your own health and wellness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now, like, I know that's a huge priority for you because you're like, what workout are we doing tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. You've, you've definitely like, especially in the last like six months, hundred percent mm. like. You've definitely, I think it's hanging around us. Like, <laughs> we're like a bit exposed, you know. No, it is. Like, nah, you, true. You definitely focus more on your health and. And to be honest, kind of we're not the biggest partiers. No, we're not. So we're good people for you to hang around with. No, right? I love it. Move yeah. in tomorrow. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> seriously. Tal will share a bed with you. <laughs> Hello. So I didn't have... <laughs> Next question. Um, Moving so... right along. I want to know what is a day like for you now? Like an ideal day. Like we've just spoken about like getting up and working out and stuff. What would your ideal day be? Ideal. Okay. So wake up. Exercise is an absolute must. Okay. Um, it's important. Like after you've had, you relate to this, after having yep. an eating disorder, you know that you need to kind of. Set your day. Set your day in terms of food as well. So yep. I'll come home and I'll have, you know, I don't, I just eat, you know, healthy now. Mm-hmm. I love food and um, and work from – I try and log in hours because, you know, you know what it's like. We yeah. work for ourselves and, yeah, you kind of need someone to you, – You're creating your own structure, which I think is – That's what I'm trying to say. And yes. it's a routine, which we're all very big routine people, right? Yeah. yeah. So you obviously – I know you just mentioned then you obviously – work for yourself and Sarah and I are business partners so it's kind of nice to have someone to bounce off but you work solo so how do you run a business solo and do you have a little bit of help like tell us a little bit about that and your life (laughs) okay cool yeah I I, do you know how many times like I'm like throwing the towel like I because I crave off people like I love people and I love working with people so it gets lonely um, but I, I also love it as well. Mm. And it wasn't till recently I kind of, you know, I've always said I just want someone business related. Mm. Like I, I just, I want someone. And so, yeah, I manifested um, a brand consultant mm-hmm. that I was saying before, Tashi Brands. And he, now I work with Harrison twice a week and it really helps me because he pushes me beyond my, you know, if I'm just working for myself, I might just do X amount he mm-hmm. pushes me beyond limits. Yeah. And so I, my advice would be, you know, if you're working alone, outsource. Outsource, like, where where your areas are that you're weak in mm-hmm. because, you know, so many times I was like, I need an investor, I need this. And I almost got fucked over so many times mm-hmm. from people coming in and being like, all right, we want X amount. And just because I wanted to be in, like, a team of people, mm-hmm. I almost sold my business away. Yeah. So uh, now I'm very, like, aware. Yeah. So it's best, you know, you can outsource anything these days, can't you? Yeah, yeah. it's true. Like, you don't need a team of, like, 20 staff you no. very easily. And we're all living proof. You're very, mm-hmm. You can do it two, you can do it one. You just outsource all the things that you're not so good at. Um. So... You have Harrison, right? Yes. So he comes down two days a week. And what what do you think the number one thing he's helped you with? 
understanding the business side. So basically um, what's happened is I got to a point, I'm very, very proud of where I got to Mm -hmm. my business by myself, but it got to that point where I needed, you know, that business. Like I designed random things whenever I wanted. There was no structure. Like I just fluked it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if I want to go big time, I, I need that structure. I need that business side. So he actually taught me, so much about business that after two weeks of intense work with him, I kind of, I stepped back and I was like, oh my God, I've got 60K amount of stock in that room. Like I didn't look, I didn't look at figures like that. I Mm -hmm. didn't know how it worked. You know, I just, you know, I just honestly released my first proper collection. Did you? Yep. So for anyone that's listening that doesn't work in fashion, whatever. So you basically just created one-off pieces. They didn't really match. Like they weren't full outfits together. So now you've created a range, which is like this T-shirt goes with this pant, this jacket goes with this pant. So yeah. do you think that's changed the way that you'll work now? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. I love that. Yeah. So let's talk pre-Harrison. What have been some of your biggest achievements before that when you were Stockers. just purely working solo? Um. Okay, so I think when I, I travelled a bit in like New York and LA, um, I did some trade shows and stuff like that. I just kind of went for it. But uh, this, is, this is just to show how like what, if you get failures and rejection, you just got to keep going. So probably um, I got into Fred Siegel. Oh, wow. Which is huge. Massive, massive stockist in Los LA. Angeles. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I'll tell you a funny story. So I emailed them like 30 times. Did you? Yeah. I didn't know that. I emailed them 30 times. Good girl. I emailed everyone. No reply, no reply, no reply. Straight away, I take that as rejection. Yeah. So I remember um, partying one night with everyone. I had lots of friends in LA, so we are partying. And the next morning I woke up and I was like, you know, like, F this. I'm here with my brands, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, I'm going to walk into, I'm going to walk into Fred Seeger with my jacket. So I, yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was so hungover and I was like, if you're going to drink, then you're going to work twice as hard. So I got up and I walked in and I'm just looking around like, oh, uh-huh, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh I'm pretty shoes. And this woman comes up to me and she's like, what is your jacket? It's sick. And I was like, oh, actually. And then I just like. You throw out a business card. Here's the line <laughs> no, sheets. <laughs> I'm like, I just happened to have this on me. Um, and she was like, it's your brand. That's sick. And then. Straight away she pulled out all the people from the back and they were like, we need to organise a buyer's appointment. Within two days um, they'd accept they, – I was in their store. Oh, my gosh. Did you tell them that you'd emailed them like 30 times? Yeah, because I came really – I've become really good friends with the buyers and also with the girl. The So she actually was the manager of the floor in um, West Hollywood. Oh, wow. On Sunset Boulevard. So we became really good friends. I was like, do you know? Yeah, what did she say? <laughs> I, she was like, oh, yeah, like they get so many emails. Yeah, they would, yeah. Like, like hundreds and hundreds. They've probably got a few in there from Tally as well. <laughs> <laughs> so no lie. So that just proves how, you know, rejection, don't, no matter what, keep going because if, mm. if, if you really believe in yourself and you keep putting your foot in it, eventually someone will recognise yeah. you. Do you think that Fred Siegel, like, I know people ask us this, where they're like, what's your dream stockist? Who would your dream stockist be? Or is it Fred Siegel? Maxfield LA. Oh, really? Don't even have to think about it. Really? So that's like your dream? Yeah. Okay, well, maybe you need to walk in there. Can you say that again? 
Maxfield in LA. Oh, what's Maxfield? <laughs> sounded like Siri. Yeah. What's Maxfield in LA? Really? Yeah. Oh, it's um, it's a shop. It's like the best. It's beautiful. Where? It's um on oh, Rodeo. No. No, no, no. It's there's the main store that I love is in West Hollywood. It's near Chichikilis. I think it's on Malrose. I think it's on Malrose. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And they've got these big birds out of concrete out the front. I think it's Malrose. Yeah, it's the most stunning store. And that would be your dream. Yeah, I've got the girls' card. I just, I just, I'm onto it. Maybe you need to email them the new range, and they won't answer. I've got. That's okay. I've got to go into the store. (laughs) Get someone. Get one of your friends to walk in with a full Rocky. Muhammad. Yes. Wait, okay, Muhammad. Tell us about it. Okay, who is Muhammad? Muhammad Hadid. He's the father of Alana, Gigi, um, Gigi Hadid, Bella Hadid, and the other one, like Marielle. Marielle. I don't know the other one, but tell us a little bit. I know he's worn Rocky before. That's a bloody massive achievement. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. No, that was crazy. That was really. That was that was another moment. That was um, basically. He's. I became friends with his daughter Alana Hadid through she saw her friends wearing my jackets mm-hmm. and then she contacted me and then we ended up collaborating. So she was wearing one of my jackets with Muhammad at lunch at his favourite restaurant, which is Il Pascha. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know that the one he's Italian always at? One, the Italian yeah. one. So she was wearing it and he was like, I love your jacket to um, Alana. And she messaged me. She's like, oh, my God. Your jacket's getting more attention than me from oh, my wow. dad. Yeah. Um, this was in Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills, yeah. Beverly Hills? Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they texted me and I made him a jacket and he was really nice. He's like any friend of Alana's a friend of mine. Oh, that's so cute. So we, I met up with him and he loved it. It was crazy and he was so nice and he gave me like we went to Wally's and he gave me like four hours of just like giving me advice and really like helping me. So that was that was really cool. Do you still talk to him now? Yeah, like randomly, like if I if I'm like on Instagram. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I, that, I would so love cool. to have lunch with him. Yeah. Maybe we need to get him in television. He's, he's a dilf, babe. Yeah, he's a dilf. <laughs> yeah, he's a dilf. He oh, swear. He's such a dilf. So what's Next for Rocky Raffaella this year. Um, you got the store opening, but what else is Which happening? is a massive achievement, by the way. Thank you. Um, I'm actually working with some pretty – I'm doing some collabs with some pretty interesting people. Um, yes, that's all I can really say. But a lot's happening. More wholesalers. Um, I'm expanding the brand in terms of I'm working a lot more with different type of materials. Cool. Yeah, and just, just a lot. I just – um, keep the suspense, though. Oh, I love <laughs> I like that. that. All right, so we always wrap up a podcast with a few questions, and I see Sarah's written down some new ones today, yeah. which we like. I like this. I'm going to go with the first one. What app do you use the most on your phone? We know what Tully's would be. Raya. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that. Why are you really? Haven't been on Raya for a minute. Actually, Raya, if you want to sponsor us, um, I'll totally use it more. Tully loves using that. Yeah, no, I don't actually. But anyway. um, WhatsApp for sure because oh, yeah. that's how I communicate with um, my team in Indo. So I'm yeah. always on it. You're and actually one of my friends that uses WhatsApp the most. Yeah, you are. Like instead of like, you know, when there's those friends that text on WhatsApp instead of yeah. Messenger, you're that one. And another one is Jess who's like someone I grew up with and she's our bookkeeper as well. <laughs> she never messages me on yeah. a message only on WhatsApp. 
Yeah, because I'm on it. So then, like, I see your name. Yeah, true. Yeah. Next question. What's the last picture on your phone? And I think I know it because I was sitting on your couch with you. <laughs> what is it? Is it a girl? No. <laughs> Rocky always has a new crush, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's a girl. What is the last picture? Is it PG rated if it's not? No, it is. Nice. It's, it's, um, I was just trying to share how amazing my um, egg cured trout and avocado oh, was. Yum. It's a video of me biting into it. Oh, yeah. yum. Love yeah. that. Was it delicious? Oh, it was great. Love that. Okay. Um, I'm not going to say why do you work out because you kind of answered that before, but what's your favourite way to work out? In a group. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, I like honestly with you guys, like I froth over it. Hot Pilates or running? Oh, both. Yeah. Well, I so love we, joining you at Fox Fit. Yeah. That's my favourite and also Hot Pilates. Yeah, we have that. Are we doing that tomorrow, guys? Yeah. Yeah, sweet. I'm yeah, booked definitely. in already. Um, I love that. And then... Any other questions you've got? No, I just want to do a little shout out. I'm really proud of you, especially mm. over the last year. Um, how far you've come. Thank you. Like that's honestly from my heart. Yeah. And I don't it never goes a day that I, you don't make me laugh. Yeah, that is true. You're one of those friends that you just like leave and always in a good mood. And also I think for you, like you don't give yourself enough credit. You are yeah. so intelligent so creative such a go-getter and I just think you don't give yourself enough credit because you've created such an amazing business and this happens to us as well like you sit back and when you sit back and actually think about what you've done and what you've created you're like oh shit I'm actually really proud of this yeah I think you need to do that more often I, yeah I'm working on it work yeah. in progress yeah. one step at a time no nah, I think you do I think like to have someone like Ruby Rose, Muhammad, like all these people and awareness in LA at Fred Siegel and stuff. That's massive. Thank you. That yeah. is actually huge. Um, but anyway, I think we're all done. I think we're all done. Thank you for sharing Love you guys. And wait, sorry, one second. Where can everyone find your brand? Online, RockyRaffaella.com. Okay, and what's your personal Instagram? Rochelle underscore Rocky Raff. Okay, and we'll put all those details in the little notes because I think it's cool. And I think we should also, sorry, one second before we do this, in the notes, I think we should also credit Harrison at Tash, is it Tashi, Tashi Brands? Because I think if anyone is listening and struggles with business and stuff like that, I don't personally know Harrison, but I know what he's done for you and I think it's fucking amazing and would help a lot of businesses. Yeah, 100%. Unbelievable. Yeah, cool. And you can get up and go now because I know you've, this is a long time for you to sit Yeah, to sit spot. still. <laughs> Later, guys. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.